Hello, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Brett Keen. You are watching and listening to the Brett Keen Show. I hope you're all having a blessed day out there. When you get a chance, check out my international radio station. I also do live shows if people want to participate. You can go to the front of my YouTube channel and you'll see whenever videos are posted or getting ready to broadcast. All you have to do is click notify and it tells you what day, what time, all that stuff. And whenever you can be involved or just sit in and listen. I also do like a text board where people are able to uh, make comments and it actually shows up on the video itself. I understand there's a lot of abusive people out there who will think that that will give them some kind of drive to put nasty things on the board. Personally, I don't care what people say to me or what kind of garbage you put on there. But unfortunately, I do have some people who come in who do not like it whenever they're abused. So whenever I have guests in the room or people who are known to have haters, I'll probably have to remove the board <laughs> like what happened to me yesterday. Unfortunately, there's some people out there that like to drop docs and we can't have that floating across the screen. For those out there that don't know what that means, dropping docs, it's when someone puts like your home address and your phone number or somebody that you love out on try to put that on the screen or in the comments in order to scare you or intimidate you and all that kind of stuff me i'm not intimidated by that kind of stuff because everybody already knows where i live they know the state they know the address i'm on google maps and my real name is brett keen i don't give a rat's ass uh, what people think or do in all the 20 years I've been doing videos, I've had countless death threats. Not one of these pussies ever showed up to give me any trouble. Christian, atheist, Satanist alike. So I haven't had that kind of issue. Just a lot of talk on the internet. That's the way it is. Mmm, drinking some Powerade. I've been doing a lot of videos over on Twitter and Rumble and alternative video sites and I find that when I use other alternative websites, I don't have to worry about censorship. I don't have to worry about people um, flagging me and then an artificial intelligence deals with my videos like YouTube and Google's got set up. Apparently, human beings don't even investigate if there is an actual problem or not. So, you uh, over thousands of people have left YouTube and they ended up going over to Rumble and other alternative video sites like Odyssey and all that. It is what it is. I don't see YouTube doing too well. If YouTube doesn't have vloggers, then they can't put their advertisements on videos. And a lot of people, believe it or not, are paid directly from YouTube. YouTube, what they do is they put their friends on video and then their friends end up making money right back to them and they get a percentage out of it it's almost kind of like a mob a little bit they pick and choose who's going to be seen and then who else is going to be dropped at the bottom of the search engine 
Well, I didn't make this video to talk about the unfairness of YouTube and how challenging it is for new users to come along and try to build something. YouTube gives the illusion that anybody can make a video and succeed and then make millions of views and then they get paid. And, and a lot of people have this narcissistic ego thing going where they feel like the more numbers they have by their name, the more valuable they are as a person. And therefore, what they have to say is more important than a guy who might have only five subscribers. This is not true. I've listened and watched plenty of you out there that have little to nothing when it comes to subscriptions. And many of you are more intelligent, kind and gentle and decent over a lot of the popular people and famous people that I've actually met, which is actually a part of what I wanted to get into in my video. For those interested, you can watch my Brett Keen history video. It's on YouTube as well as on Rumble, where it talks about what it was like for me to go from a former atheist into theism and then Christianity. I had a tough time um, going back to the concept of religion. I didn't have a, it wasn't so challenging for me to accept that there was a God, but trying to figure out what brand or what religion best associates with my belief in God, that was tough. It really was because although I believed in Jesus Christ and I believe he died on the cross for my sins and resurrected three days later, I didn't like Christianity. It's not like my views about it had changed. And I'll give you some examples of what held me back, what made me just want to stay a theist who believed in Jesus. And I just referred to myself as God-believer. For the longest time, just someone who believes in God and is trying to do the best he can in life. It's because of all the hypocrisy that I've seen all my life with Christianity. But Christianity wasn't the only thing. I've seen hypocrisy and atheism any group that I ever, where I tried to make friends with people, I always found hypocrisy, debauchery, degradation, corruption, and everything that I involved my, myself with. Anybody I tried to make a friends with, whether they were Satanist or pagan or Muslim, uh, into Judaism, anything, it, there always seemed to be some kind of drawback. There was always some catch. There was always some filthy ass game where it seemed like you had to be sort of a pig in order to play in the mud with anybody. And I hated that. I really did. I remember a specific Christian, um, growing up whenever I was a kid, there was a guy I used to watch Kent Hogan and I used to love hearing what he thought about the universe. I enjoyed listening to his debates and I remember looking at him and here you got this clean cut guy who is extremely articulate. He's funny too. He knows how to like lure in an audience and everything and uh, really get people on his side. Even before the debate really gets going because of his humor and his charisma, he was able to suck people in. And I remember thinking for the longest time, this guy's awesome. This guy's cool. He's really smart. He's articulate. He's a good-looking guy who's basically doing his thing. And he really came off larger than life for me. So 
obviously, as I got older and I started learning how to use the telephone and look people up and um, watch videos and see how to contact people and all that, I got to a point where I got really skilled and educated on how to reach people in social media so I could talk to them, perhaps have them on my shows or be on their shows with them or just talk to them privately on the phone to, you know, get where they're coming from. Now, I was really hungry for the truth at this point. I believed in God and I had a lot of my own ideas, but I was well aware that I was a babe in Christ. I knew I was very knowledgeable and street smart whenever it came to, and book smart whenever it came to the Bible and what it said. But there were still a lot of things going on in my life. There were, I just always put myself in a position where I felt like I wasn't a teacher. I was more of a student and I needed to learn from other people. I felt like the more I consumed and I absorbed, from other Christians, the stronger it would make my testimony in my life. And whenever I'm trying to help uh, people of other faith or non-believers to find the truth, I wanted to basically know every tactic possible. I wanted to know what it was that worked and what did not work so I could refrain from using that. And Ken Cahoven was one of those people that I looked at and said, hey, this is a guy that's really smart. And he also, he's different from other preachers because he's not just up there throwing Bible verses out. He's actually debating and he's talking about evolution and he's talking about science. And I've always been a big fan of science. I've always been a big fan of our scientists, whether non-believer or religious, the inventions, the technology, the revolutionary um, things and contributions that science has done for humanity. And I believe all that comes from God. I really do. So I ended up calling him up. I contacted him. And I thought for, to myself that if I am lucky to get a hold of him, it'll probably be a five-minute conversation. And it did turn out exactly that way. I talked to him about five minutes. He made it clear right off the bat that he's a busy man. He's got all kinds of things he's doing in the background and uh, that I could call later if I wanted. So I eventually called and called and stuff off and on while I was still a babe in Christ. I was never really given a long opportunity to talk to him during these times. I wasn't really able to ask him anything that would improve my faith in any kind of way. It seemed more like I was interviewing him repeatedly, basically, hey, Kent, how are you doing? Um, I was hoping I could talk to you today, and his response would be, well, you know, I appreciate you calling, you know, God bless you and all that, but I've got a meeting, I've got to do this, I've got to do that. We're counting money over here, we're, you know, shuffling DVDs and all that. And I I felt like, in a way, when it was first going on, I felt like, well, he is a busy man, he is a man of God, and he's got his job, and he's got his business, and my my life, and what's going on in my life you know, is, is pretty much it's lower in priority. So who cares that he doesn't spend any time with me? Who cares that he's not teaching me anything 
are helping me. He does have videos, right? I can just go watch some videos and and hear the same redundant, repeated stuff over and over and over again. Sure, sure. But there was, I was hungry for more, though. It wasn't enough just to talk to some fella that I used to look at from the shadows long ago, even whenever I was an atheist or a religious person. I wanted to be able to find a community of Christians. Unfortunately, I have found myself limited in my life. Besides the fact that uh, some of the churches that are around my area are quite a distance away, a long time ago, whenever I was younger, because of trauma and abuse, I unfortunately was diagnosed with mild agoraphobia, which means that I couldn't go out to faraway locations. I um, get anxiety. My heart starts pulsating. I get very sweaty and dizzy going out into open areas or taking highways and all that stuff. So I'm kind of limited in the different way, places that I can go. And I even told Kentovin that, but he repeatedly kept there and saying, oh, you should come down to you should come down to Dinosaur Playland and hang out with me. And I had to remind him a hundred times, look, I got mild agoraphobia. I'm most likely never going to come down to Dinosaur Palace or Land or any of this shit. It's not going to happen. It's hard enough for me to go five miles down the damn road just to be able to go grocery shopping or go to a local church. I cannot head all the way down to Arkansas or Kentucky or any of these off-road bullshit deals. Not going to happen. But he never seemed to remember. And a lot of times he didn't even remember my name whenever I called. You know, how could he? He only wanted to spend five, ten minutes on the phone. Well, one day something fascinating happened. One day something interesting happened. I had told myself that this is the last time I'm calling Kentovin because he apparently never has time for me. I decided that I was going to continue to do my own shows and that I would just do what I was doing, having non-believers come in and talk to them and try with the best of my ability to do things. Now, I do want to mention something. I, I want to go back in time a little bit, folks, if you don't mind, work with me on this. When I first got out of atheism and I found my way into theism, believing in Jesus Christ, I realized that probably the closest association to my belief because of Jesus Christ and Christianity would most likely be the Abrahamic religions. I knew that Judaism, Islam, and Christianity most closest based upon the claims and based upon the Bible and the Quran and the Torah, that this is most likely where the direction was I needed to go. And plus, logic told me that because of my prayers, like whenever I prayed for my sick daughter and I prayed for my wife whenever she came with the condition of diabetic and my brother, I didn't pray to Thor or Hercules or some pagan deity. I prayed to Jesus Christ. I prayed to the Son of God. So whenever I seen results and things started happening, obviously I'm going to associate any miracle or any great personal experience that happened to Jesus Christ. 
because I didn't believe in Thor. I didn't, you know, uh, I didn't believe in any of the other religions, but I did believe that the God of the Bible was actually real due to some of the extraordinary stuff that happened. Well, unfortunately for me, I ended up asking a few Christians who weren't big time YouTubers. I said, I'm looking for other Christians to hang out with. I'd like to kind of build relationships. I'd like to, I'd like to have a good Christian family. In my real life, a majority of my family members are godless. They don't believe in God, and the ones that do, they don't go to church. They don't suffer from agoraphobia like I do. They just don't have the time, or they're just not interested, or they don't want to do it. I got like one person in my family that enjoys, well, there's two people that actually like going to church, but they don't share the same views as I do, and it annoys them when they're around me because my views are conflicting with their own. You ever met Christians like that? You can believe in God, you can believe Jesus Christ died on the cross, but you don't have the same view as them, so you're you're basically no better than a damn atheist in their eyesight. So it doesn't really, it's kind of like that concept of white privilege, right? <laughs> you're told that you have it, but it, it doesn't uh, get you alone, it doesn't pay bills, and it sure as hell doesn't get you groceries or food on the table or put a roof over your head. It's just some stupid-ass concept that people come up with. The point is, is just because you label yourself a Christian, it doesn't mean that other Christians are going to kiss your ass or help you in any kind of way or do anything charitable or good. Don't expect it. If you're an atheist and you are finally convinced one day that you are that you're of the flock or whatever, don't actually think that these people are going to turn around and and love you and cuddle with you and hold you and and treat you like family because that has not been the fucking case for me as well as many other of my atheist friends that ended up turning religious. Um, I still to this day feel like a black sheep. So as I said, I ended up asking some of my buddies, I said, I want to be able to I want to build a family. I, I don't, besides my wife and my kids, I don't have anybody that I can actually hang out with where they can strengthen me in Christianity or strengthen my belief in God. And when I say this, I'm talking more on the sense of educating me more, educating me on my behaviors or the way the framework or how to walk properly and do all that kind of stuff. There's a lot of things I just... I like to, I prefer being the student than the teacher. I like constantly learning and trying to be the most effective witness for Christ that I can. Unfortunately, uh, some people would tell you that I've been quite successful and I've had a lot of transformation change. Other people tell you I've become worse. I don't know. I don't know. I, you know, to believe it or not, I've always considered myself a pretty damn good person. I'm just a good person who doesn't put up with bullshit from bad people. So the first Christian I ran into on social media that was talking about doing what I was wanting was building and creating a family and all that and uh, be able to get the message out. The person that people su suggested to me was two people, G-Man and uh, 
Kent Hovind. A lot of people told me Kent Hovind's a really kind person. He's the guy you should go to. And then other people told me that I should go talk to this black Christian by the name of G-Man. That he's really on fire for Jesus. So I went to go talk to G-Man, and G-Man was what they said. He was on fire for Jesus. He was loud. He was sporadic. Um, Ridiculous-ass behavior. You know, he'd scream, yell, you know, go into these just terrible, horrific rants. And when we met, he liked me. He thought I was funny. He had a good sense of humor. But what really impressed him was that I was a super popular atheist he had heard of. And to hear that I was now believing in Jesus and trying to work my way into Christianity really, really pumped him up. But he wasn't pumped up because there was a child that was lost and ended up finding God. He was pumped up because he had a popular internet famous person in the room who left atheism for Christianity. And to him, he seen dollar signs. He seen that he would get major views if he put me on display. And that's exactly what he did. It would be like tomorrow if... uh, Matt Dillahunty or Aaron Raw or the Amazing Atheists were to suddenly make a video saying that they were Christian and that they were looking for other Christians to hang out with because the atheist community would throw their ass under the bus in a heartbeat. Imagine the Amazing Atheists trying to look for some Christians to talk to. But believe it or not, there's some Christians that are on YouTube who are not about God, who are not about spreading the gospel they're about getting views and getting paid just like some materialistic atheist out there some christians just want to be famous and it really isn't about god for them god is just part of their they use god the same way atheists use god where they talk about it all day so they can profit off of it and use clickbait titles and provocative stuff But they don't really give a damn about God or the sacrifice that was made. It's about me, me, me. It's about being seen. And that's what G-Man turned out to be. G-Man deliberately would start trouble with other religious people. He would deliberately get himself into drama and fights. He would associate himself with people that he thought were getting a lot of attention, whether it was negative or not. And he did it deliberately because he knew it brought him views and it made his YouTube video big. He knew that I was getting hounded by atheists and he thought to himself, if I hang out with Brett Keen, this means I'll get on the drunken peasants and I'll get to argue with the amazing atheists and I'll get hundreds of millions of views at that time. Obviously, the amazing atheist is not that relevant or important anymore, and the drunken peasants has sunk into the toilet where it was flushed efficiently. But that was G-Man's thought process. At the time, I wasn't fully aware of it. Trust me, my spidey senses were tingling, but I wasn't absolutely sure. Not until after the event actually happened did I realize that G-Man didn't give a rat's ass about me. He didn't give a fuck if I burned in hell for all eternity. For him, I was just a way to, uh, how do you put it, a means, a means to a goal, you know, kind of thing. You guys can correct me out there. So after G-Man ended up falling through, and most of you know off and on, I've had conversations with him, and I 
try to treat him nice, but I see him for what he is. He's he's pretty much about himself. He's he's like your typical street preacher who wants to get on a a speaker and a, with an amplifier and yell at people and shit and have tons of people stand around him. And uh, the drama is something that is just simply interesting to record to show off in front of an audience. It's a performance. It's it's like the Pharisees who pray out in public and out in the street. It's not about a relationship with God. It's about feeding your own ego and narcissism. Look at me. I'm such a big boy. You know, God loves me best. I'm the teacher's pet. Give me my apple. I ran into a lot of people like that. And it really hurt me. It really damaged me spiritually and emotionally. I just seemed to continuously run into these type of people. I kept running into Christians on social media that were either drunks, alcoholics, porn addicts, um, the trashiest fucking people possible. Um, and it just got to the point where I could not even tell the difference between a, a lot of the atheists that I was hanging out with from the Satanists, from the pagans, from the Jews and Muslims to the, <laughs> to the Christians, man, it, it sends a chill up my spine. Just talking about this shit. I don't know why I've always been an open book. I've always had no problem expressing my ideas and views, but for some reason, Talking about what I'm talking about right now, it uh, it makes my fucking skin crawl. It makes my blood boil. Don't know why. Maybe it's because of so much disappointment. I don't know. When you run into all these different dirty bags of filth, you start getting to a point where you start, obviously, you go back into the shadows and start praying to God and... You know, one of the things I like to do when I pray to God, I like to thank him for what I do have in life. But from time to time, I have a discussion and I'm like, God, I'm trying to find my way. I, I'm trying to find a family. I'm trying to find people that will love me and that I can love back. Why do I keep running at all these fucking dirty bastards for why do I keep on running into these self-centered, selfish, greedy, materialistic, religious people who are just trying to make a name for themselves? Why? Why? I started uh, actually believing that maybe I was doing something wrong, that maybe, maybe I was on the wrong track. Maybe I wasn't doing something right that I kept on running into that. I even started calling myself a shit magnet that I attract shit. <laughs> oh my goodness. My goodness. I really felt that way too. I really felt like I must be letting God down because I keep on going down this road and I keep hitting every fucking pothole imaginable and even making a few of my own along the way. So I told myself, I'm going to call up Kentoven one more time. Let me see how that goes. I'm going to just spit it out at him. I'm, I'm not going to hold back anymore. I'm going to tell him, look, I'm in a fucking bad way, Kent. 
my mind is fried because of all this shit. Well, before I called Kent, I had made a couple videos where I talked about how much I appreciate and respect Kent's work, especially his debates about evolution. And someone ended up reaching out to me. It was this woman called Cindy Lincoln. And Cindy Lincoln apparently was one of the many wives that Kent Hovind had. I've only been married once in my life, ladies and gentlemen. I've never been divorced. I'm with the same, I'm with my high school sweetheart. I've been with this woman for almost 30 years now. And I have two beautiful children with her. Most of the Christians on the internet that I've spoken to, they've been through several marriages. They've lost custody of their kids. Uh, they were terrible fucking men. They were terrible fathers, terrible mothers, terrible women. Uh, and it was because of them. And a lot of them, believe it or not, will even admit to you that they were shit. And they basically let their own kids and their own families down and fucked up. I can't say that about myself. I did what needed to be done. I was the man of the house. I took care of my kids and my children are successful. My daughter recently went into the hospital and all that and got surgery, but she's ready to get right back out in the workforce and do what she's got to do. She loves work and my son loves his job. Even though he's been through a couple of them due to that whole COVID thing where they tell you that you can't work at their company unless you take a fucking shot. We don't do that. We're not anti-vaxxers, ladies and gentlemen. We were anti-COVID bullshit. We felt like the, the cure, as they call it, or the vaccine was hastily put together. Um, and it was politically pushed. And we felt like it could be dangerous and wanted to give it more time before we injected fucking poison into our body, if that makes sense for a lot of you out there. So I meet Cindy Lincoln, and Cindy Lincoln's got this sob story about how fucking Kent Hovind's body slamming her and that he's hanging out with child molesters and child rapists up there, up at the dinosaur playground and shit. And, of course, this was just... Oh, it felt like... Listening to her talk and just go on and on for fucking hours about what an evil, satanic piece of trash Kent Hovind was. And I started actually starting to believe her because this was a guy who never, she would say that he didn't spend time with any of the women that he was ever married with. I couldn't keep the guy on the phone for five fucking minutes. So I was thinking, yeah, he does seem like... She might be right. He doesn't seem like he has an interest in actually listening to other people. He has all the time in the world to debate you on if cows turn into fucking butterflies, but he didn't have any interest in actually, you know, being that extra thing that preachers do where they listen to you and they take care of their flock. And then through m meeting Cindy Lincoln, I ended up meeting Mark Stoney. Um, I ended up attracting some of the fucking retards that bother uh kent hoven like big bad mama and some of the other um losers who are constantly they just don't have anything going on in their life but doing that i ran into people like missing mod who was obsessive who was constantly defending and protecting kent no matter what he did he could do no wrong in her eyes but strangely enough she began associating with every person that attacked uh, Kent Hovind and became buddies with all the same people who hated this. 
Now, don't get me wrong. They're not buddies now. Uh, Mitty Maud or whatever her dumbass name is, she doesn't one day to the next. She can't seem to figure out what she wants to do. Is she for Kent? Is she for that? Is she for this? And she doesn't have the same understanding that I obviously do. She's one of these people that don't even have the courage to dial a phone to talk to the guy to even really get to know him personally. She's just a big-time fan of the videos and decided to raise him up above God. That's what she did. So I meet Mark Stoney. Here's a guy who's extremely aggressive, a guy that's allegedly taking care of a daughter. Um, his wife overdosed on drugs because him and Mark's, her and Mark Stoney used to do drugs together. So basically, he's a former drug addict who ended up ruining his life and uh, basically destroying the life of his wife. And now he's got some kind of hatred towards Kentoven. And because I defended Kentoven and supported Kentoven in the past, I got to deal with this fucking loser for the rest of my life. That's beautiful. And that's a problem that I, be, believe it or not, even before G-Man and Kentoven, I've had a problem where I try to get to know people and I try to hear both sides of the story. And unfortunately, a lot of other people aren't that patient. The moment that you say something like, oh, I support Trump and here's my reasons, or I support this person, or I think this person's a good person, but someone else disagrees on the internet, suddenly you become another target. You become the target of the obsessed and the fanatics and the haters and all that. I mean, they're not going to, nobody sits back and just rationalizes to themselves and says, well, maybe he doesn't know what I know. Maybe he doesn't, uh, maybe he's not experienced what I've experienced. No, the moment that you pick the wrong guy, vote for the wrong person, support, or even have a conversation where it appears as though you're showing some form of respect, you instantly become an asshole in these people's eyes. And I'm one of those lucky go good guy, live and let die type of people. So I'm like instantly have found myself for the last 20 years in a whole fucking bucket of shit with people. Because you get people who tell you, don't hang out with that person, don't do this. It's like little kids are in a sandbox. And then you say to yourself, well, I give everybody a chance. You know, innocent before proven guilty, that kind of bullshit. I kind of look at it like a court system. I got to hear the evidence. I got to actually see before I just go condemning people into the dirt. Seems like the Jesus way of doing things, but not most Christians don't act like that or atheist. Instead, oh, you like this person? Why were you nice to them in a room or blah, blah, blah? It's been hell, ladies and gentlemen. So I call Kent up and, you know, I, I drop it on him about my shit. But he didn't seem very interested in what was going on in my life or about what I was looking for. But when I mentioned Cindy Lincoln, one of his former wives, and that some of these assholes that used to be associated with his cult were mouthing at him, suddenly he lights up like a fucking Christmas tree. He's like, oh, really? Oh, the, yeah, we've known about that for a long time. We've known that there's people out there that like to lie on me, you know. So what he does is he says, Brett, you do a show, huh? I'm like, yeah. 
He says, well, why don't you uh, open something up and I'll come in there and I'll defend myself against their lies and their bullshit. I'm like, do you think that's a real good idea? These people, they're, they, some of them, they're looking like they're doing this just for attention and views. Some of them are angry at you and it will bring them views and get them a lot of attention. If you do that, are you sure? Because I actually care about people. I, is uh, exciting for some people as it might be. There's people like Proverbs guy out there where he likes it when there's a big-ass drama thing or a big old fight that happens. He likes it when he puts a bunch of shitty people into a room with a bunch of other people so they'll fight and yell and bicker because he ends up getting more views and clicks on his video. It's not about Jesus or God with the guy. He'll bring in haters. He'll bring in people who has said the most horrible shit about him and his friends. And they'll, he'll put them all together because it's clicks. It's views. I believed for a long time that the only reason why a guy like Proverbs guy ever associated with me or ever invited me to his room was because of my name. And because I've been associated with so much drama. The guy has never reached out to me to try to help me in Christianity. He's never called me up and said, hey, Brad, I'd like to pray with you. And, you know, I'd like to be able to, I understand that you're having some issues and I'd like to help you with something. Nothing like that. In fact, it's usually the other way around. He tells me all his sob stories. He tells me about his kids. He tells me about all the fucking banged up things that have happened in his life. But if I start talking about something or I start sharing with him some of my sad events or moments in my life, suddenly he's busy. He's like Ken Tobin. He's got to go. I'm sorry. I'm in the middle of a chat right now. I can't talk to you. <laughs> but I've always known that if he needs some views or some clicks and shit like that, that's all I mean to him. That's all I've ever meant. And as far as Kent Hovind, my show was not about Brett Keen or about anything about my life or having anything to do with me. It was simply a place, a mud pit that he could go to, and he even referred it to as that. He basically used me in order to uh, attack his former wife and the people that were against him that used to be a part of his cult. And they all had the same stories, too. All of them. That Kent Hovind put a lot of them in danger because he allowed child rapists into it. And I remember talking to Kent and asking Kent, why are you allowing child molesters into that place? Now, when he first started talking to me about it, he wasn't very careful with the way he explained this. The first story was, well, I don't believe they actually did anything. And they're my friends. They actually helped me out with money and they helped me whenever I was in prison. And basically it came down to he'll hang out with child rapists for the benefit, for the money, for what they do for him. It's kind of like Epstein Island, really. Why do politicians hang out with a guy like that when they know that he's fucking little 13-year-olds? Why would he do that? Because Epstein's rich. Epstein owns his own island. Epstein can get you a new car. He can get you whatever you want. He knows a lot of people. He's got a lot of connections. He can put you places that you want to be in life. And it don't matter if you believe in God or not. That's the type of people that these folks are. 
So, and basically the rundown was, is that I'm Kentovin. I lost everything I had. My kids don't have nothing to do with me and my life sucks. I've been through three fucking broken marriages and uh, now I've, the only thing I have left is a bunch of child molesters and rapists and, and fucking monsters who are thieves uh, that will support my ministry. And while I'm at it, I'm going to go ahead and invite all these poor people, these impoverished people on drugs and alcohol down to my camp so they can build my, my fucking Waco, Texas, basically. And they all fell for it because they were all fucked in the brain from being fried on drugs and everything else, right? Right. Yeah. Hey, people, I'm not making any of this shit up. This isn't like new news. A simple Google search to show you everything you need to know. And that's unfortunately the way a lot of Christians are. And there's a lot of non-believers out there, too. Uh, Stephen McCree. You remember that guy who was doing non-sequitur? He had a guy uh, he, that he supported and endorsed who... Uh, had a, a record for domestic assault as well as child molestation. He didn't give a fuck. The guy was popular, the guy was rich, and he could get money off of him. And the whole reason why non-sequitur fell apart, if you guys remember, was because Steve McCree and his host, Kurt, or whatever that prick's name was, it was over money, wasn't it? It was over, hey, I'm not making enough money off of this. Yeah, but I'm better at talking than you, so I deserve more money. <laughs> and that guy, I think, ended up in jail. It definitely screwed that shit up for a couple of years. But Stephen McCree ended up digging into the mud and ended up finding some more garbage to work with him on it. And they were back to making money again. So that's the problem. That's one of the reasons why I have such bad taste in my mouth whenever it comes to Christianity and atheism and anything on here. Besides wanting to learn more and be able to become more of an effective witness for Christ, I felt like for the longest time, I remember asking God, I said, God, why did you wait so long to put light in my life? Why did it take so long for you to get me the strength and the wisdom to leave atheism? And I remember my wife told me one day, and it was really wise of her. She said that God might have let me be in that camp so I could learn as much as I could. That soak up as much knowledge from how they argue, how they debate, why they feel the way they do, why they think like they do. So I would be more of an effective witness. So I really believed for a while there, oh, I make myself into Christianity, I'll be this powerful uh, speaker and representation, and I'll be able to properly defend the body of Christ and really, really be a good child of God. But I discovered that the camps are all connected, Christianity and atheism, Satanism, all of it, that no matter where you're standing in what camp or what position or place, just a, a five-minute look around and you're going to see garbage everywhere. 
no matter what direction you go, no matter what road you are to God, it's all there. It's going to be waiting for you. It's been excruciating, absolutely excruciating. And now I am no longer convinced that God pulled me out of the filth so I could be some powerful warrior. That whole idea is out the window now. I don't believe that God put me here so I can do live podcasts and shoot the shit with people all day. Um, I don't believe that God gave me this powerful message to give people anymore or that I had some kind of erupt awesome calling. Now I think that it was primarily just to try to teach me, <laughs> and this is crazy, some of you out there are going to think this is rough, that God just wanted me to see the world for what it was. In the Bible it says, don't love the things of this world. Don't trust the flesh. Don't do this. I was halfway there. But there was still something inside of me, the human side of me, that wanted that, wanted to grow along with a family, that wanted to connect with other people, that wanted to share my light with darkness when the Bible specifically said don't. I thought that I was supposed to do something important. I thought that God called me to do something powerful, to get out there and sow seeds. And with some people I have, some people have, I have reached them, and there are a lot of people out there who said, Brett, your videos have really helped me. But now I believe that God simply pulled me out of a drowning position, but he didn't pull me up onto a, a completely stable uh, area either. God's basically saying it's time to move forward, son. It's time to take care of who you are. It's time to realize that this world is coming to an end, that good has become evil and evil has become good. Just as the passage in Isaiah says, there's nothing more that you can do. There's nothing that you can say. There's nothing that is so good in your heart that it's going to illuminate any of these people's lives. These people have become cold. Their hearts have become black. These are people who profit off of the suffering and pain of children. These are the type of people who crack jokes about pedophilia. These are the type of people that get off on hurting other people. There's nothing that you can do for them. They are weeds and they're going to be burned. And there's nothing that you can do about it because you can't teach people how to love. You can't teach people how to care. It is what it is. So the moral of the story is, ladies and gentlemen, if you do find God, don't expect that the way is going to be completely lit up for you. Evil is waiting. Evil in the darkness awaits you. But now you're going to be given the weapons to be able to make your way through it. As where before you were defenseless and you were vulnerable. And it even may have seemed for some of you out there who do live in the dark, some of you who are lost, you probably felt like you were more relieved now that you didn't have anything to do with God or anything at all. 
But the only reason why, somebody told me something interesting a while back. I said, because I was having a good moment in my life, and I was an atheist at the time. I said to this Christian, I said, why is it that my life's going so good? Why is everything going so great? And I don't have God in my life. And he said, son, it's because the devil's already got you. So if you feel like you're not chained, if you feel like the cage that you're in is comfortable, it's perhaps because the demons already think they have you, so they don't put you under any kind of stress. They don't need to attack you anymore. You're already one of them. I know it's a rough story, ladies and gentlemen. It's a rough way of life. There's still a little bit inside of me, deep down in my heart, where I would have liked to connect with people. I would have liked to feel as though there was more to my life than just simply accepting what God was showing me, that this is the end. And many of you have made your choices. Many of you have made your decision in life. Some of you have decided to reject and deny God. Some of you have decided to suppress your rage and emotion and push God out of your uh, mind altogether. And some of you claim to be a part of God, but you still reject him and you still deny him, although claiming to be a part of his flock. And I think that's who Jesus was talking about in the Bible. Oh, you say you did all these things, you do these things, but I never knew you. You did these things for you. You didn't do these things for me. People need to realize that we're all in the same boat. So when that boat goes over the waterfall, it don't matter what side of the boat you're on. You understand? It doesn't matter if you're on the left side, the top, the bottom, any of that shit. You're going to take damage, and very few are going to survive. All right, ladies and gentlemen, God bless.